It's like, where's the year gone already? It's like it's just flying through. Well, we're into uh, Reach Our World, and so we've moved into the month of March, and we've themed it Reach Our World. And, and what I believe this is that we as disciples are called to spread the gospel and to reach our world for Christ. Who believes that? Who actually lives that? Yeah, it's one thing to believe something. It's actually another thing to actually outlive it. And so this morning, we're just going to have a quick look. And I thought, who better than to look at than the disciples? You know, the disciples, you look at the book of Acts and you, you see where, really, they took hold of their mandate. It, it's a time where, where they, they went out and revolutionised the world. Do you realise they revolutionised the world? Twelve guys. They decided, hey, listen, y'all, this thing that we're doing right now, we're going to take it serious. And in the book of Acts, right at the start, it gives us some keys. Who knows that the book of Acts, they're, they're standing around in chapter 1 and, and they're looking to the sky. They're looking and two guys rock up and say, you know what, what are you looking at? And, they take, that's, and they're like, well, he's going to return the same way. In the first book of Acts, what you find is that Jesus has been with them, they're gathered around Jesus and he ascends to heaven. You know, wouldn't that be amazing just to see Jesus ascend to heaven? Wouldn't it just be amazing to actually just touch Jesus anyway? But here he is, they're there, they're gathered around him. He's been with them for 40 days. Do you realize that the start of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1, happens 40 days after his resurrection? You know, a lot of people believe in the resurrection of Christ. Who believes in the resurrection of Christ? that's, That's the pinnacle of our faith. And he rose again and he spent 40 days in and around the disciples. We find in the book of Acts, in the first chapter, he is there ascending and he, he gives one last command, one last thing to the disciples. He makes this statement. He says, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He's ascending. He's saying, hey, listen, disciples, this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. For the Holy Spirit. The promise was the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and he goes on, he says, but you will receive the power and ability from the Holy Spirit. And it comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. And then he disappears. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Does anyone else hate waiting? Yeah. Like, there's just one thing when you've just got to wait. I, I've got four kids. I have to wait all the time. You know, it's not just let's get in the car and go. It's who are we waiting for now? You know, half the time I always lock one kid in the house. Get in the car, we're all there. Where's Layla? She's still inside. Right. Yeah, there's one thing, is that, hey, and I, I look at the disciples. I know Peter, and, and from what I've read of him within the Gospels, he doesn't like to wait. I reckon right now this would have been torture. Is that, you know, he's ready to change the world. He, he's like, God, why are you going? We're here, we've got a job to do. You're coming, come on, you've risen again. We've got to show everyone, we've got to tell everyone. You know, we've got to raise up an army, we've got to over... And he's like, no, no, that's not what's going to happen. I'm going, I'm going to send you a helper and you're going to do it. 
Okay, that's good. Let's, let's do this. He goes, no, no, but first I want you to wait. Yeah, he says, wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Okay, let's go and wait. It's been 40 days. They head off to Jerusalem. They're waiting. If you read through the book of Acts, they're waiting in the upper room. And it's not just one or two people in this upper room. It's 120 people in the upper room. Think about it, 120 people in the upper room. And they're waiting. 15 minutes. This help is late. Half an hour. He's very late. Yet they were waiting in the upper room for around 10 days. 10 days in the upper room with 120 people people. Just think about it. No air conditioning back then. No shower in a can. Like, it would have been smelly. They're waiting days for this helper, for this... Imagine if you're the one that ducked out to get a feed while the helper came, the Holy Spirit. You've been waiting nine and a half days and you decide, listen, I'm hungry, I've got to go get some. And you come back and you're like, I've missed it. But they're waiting 10 days, and, and as they wait, he sends the helper. This helper in John 14, 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I have said. Yeah. As he's saying, hey, go and wait, and I'm going to send someone that is going to help you. You know, I know this, is that, we can't live out the gospel. We can't preach the gospel in our own strength. We can't do this thing called Christianity in our own strength. We need a helper. We need the Spirit of God to empower us to be able to live out this life. So they're there. They're waiting. They're filled with the Spirit. But why are they filled with the Spirit? So that they can be His witnesses. They're waiting, they're filled. You know, by His Holy Spirit, He transfers authority to His witnesses. At that moment, He is there and He transfers the authority of heaven to His witnesses. The authority to these disciples to actually preach the gospel. Again, it's not in our own strength, but it's in His strength, it's with His authority. I look through the book of Acts and see how many times the disciples, especially Peter, ended up in court or jail. Have you ever read through it and you're like, wow, I want to be that. Who wants to go to jail? Who wants to be flogged? Any takers? No. I didn't think so. But I read through the book of Acts, they're, they're full of power, they're boldness, they're full of the Spirit to go and be witnesses and, and they're witnessing and they're declaring the love of Christ. They're seeing thousands come, but then all of a sudden they find themselves being accused. Yeah. They find themselves being questioned of their faith. But I love every time that they're questioned of their faith, people come to realise one of two things. They realise these guys, you know, they're uneducated, but yet they've actually hung around Jesus. 
They look at them, they start to drag them through, and, and they understand, they, they, they're like, wow. And they always ask this question, by what authority do you speak? Yeah. Or in other words, who gave you this authority? You start to keep reading through the book of Acts. And in 4.6, I love how verse 8, it's like, you know, they're asking, they're questioning Peter. And Peter, it says here, and Peter, full of the Spirit, the key is right there. Full of the Spirit said to them, (laughs) we cannot preach the gospel without the Spirit of God dwelling in each side of us. Just as you drive down the road and a police officer pulls you over and gives you a ticket, just as the government has given him authority to do that, God gives us authority to work out, to live out his purposes for our life. And so these disciples, they're there, they're, they're waiting. They're waiting to be empowered. They're waiting for the Spirit of God to come upon their life. Do you realize is that heaven backs us to be his witness? Heaven backs you and I to be his witness. All of heaven backs you, but, but we need to wait upon the Spirit of God. We need to have the Spirit dwelling in each and every one of us. We are called to make a difference as disciples of Christ. But as I started reading through Acts... And sometimes we can get into methodology. Sometimes we can get into practices. Sometimes we get into all these things and forget about the Spirit. But I would say, and I would like to say right now, we can do everything. We can have every system in place, but without the Spirit of God and the authority of God, it renders it invalid. Renders it Invalid. We are called to have relationship with God and relationship with others. And so we look through the book of Acts and they're filled with the Spirit. Peter gets up and he starts to testify. He starts to declare who God is. He says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is here now. He starts to testify of Jesus dying on a cross for each and every one of us, rising again. And, you know, if you just believe upon him, you will be saved. That day, 3,000 people are added to the church. That day, 3,000 people respond to the gospel. But I I read through the scripture, it just doesn't stop there. It's just not a decision. But it actually becomes a way of life. It's just not a moment of deciding, hey, listen, I'm going to... But it's it's coming into the body of Christ. It's coming into a relationship with God. If you start to read through, it says that, okay, in Acts... We'll have a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And it said, those who gladly received his word, received Peter's words, were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls were added. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship. And in the breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all. See, as anyone had need. But then it goes on, it says, And so continually, continuing daily, 
with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favour with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Uh, I believe this takes the Spirit of God. It takes us actually declaring the Word of God. I think it's a shame these days that we just bring iPads and iPhones into church. Because as soon as you carry a Bible, what does it say to people? You're a Christian. And this is what I find today, is that somehow our, our faith has become this thing that we put in our back pocket. So if anyone was to see you walk down the street or anyone to see what you're doing on Sunday, they would assume you're just doing everyday things. But as soon as you walk out, as soon as you hold one of these, people go, oh, they're a Christian. You know, sometimes I think we need to be unashamed of the gospel. We need to go back to this thing where, you know, when people find out, oh, are you a Christian? We should be what? Why not? You're not? What? You're not? Whereas we go to those days and at this moment we have these guys, they're standing up, they're declaring, hey, this is my faith, this is who it, this is what I believe, they're full of the Spirit. They're seeing people added to the church daily. But they just don't leave it there. It's not just a decision. They decide, well, you know, now we need to incorporate them into the family of God. This is what I love is that when people make a decision, it's just not a moment, it's an eternal decision. And as a church, we are here to draft them into the family of God. We are here to open our doors so that they can come and receive who Christ is truly. It's more than just a prayer. It's a way of life. It's giving of yourself and dying to yourself and taking on Him. If you look through this scripture, it said, is it daily they were in the temple? Daily they prayed. In one accord, they came together. I love Sundays because we come together. We worship our God. We declare His praises. We declare who He is. We stand together in prayer. And we declare that miracle working power will work over people's lives. We see testimonies coming forth of His goodness and of His greatness. We come together as a family. It said they meet together daily in the temple. And they went house to house breaking bread. House to house. Breaking bread. In other words, they did community well. They did life together. We are called to do life together as a church. We are called to do life together full of the Spirit. Declaring the Word of God. Hearing each other. You know, what I find is that community is built on a few things. Community is built on relationship. Community is built on transparency. It's built on transformation. And it is built on joy. If you look at it, is society's economy is money. God's economy is relationship. Yeah. Do you realize that? God's economy is relationship. It's relationship with God and a relationship with others. So then community needs to be at the center of it. 
You know, it, it's built on that relationship. Ephesians 4, verse 2 to 3, it says, Always be humble and gentle. Patiently put up with each other. Right there, there's a word for someone in this room. <laughs> and love each other. Try your best to let God's Spirit keep your hearts united. Do this by living at peace. Do this by living at peace. Yeah, it's a place where you can talk and share. Community is a place that you can share with each other. It is where you can talk to each other. It's a place where you can listen and learn. You know, by sitting down with people, I love it because I learn from their mistakes. Why not? Why make mistakes yourself when you can learn from the person next to you? Saves you a lot of pain. But it's one of those things, it's where you can come, you, that, that's relationship. You know, relationships are forged in these times, in community. You know, you don't, you don't find friends, you make friends. Well, I've got no friends. Well, make a friend, become a friend. You know, <laughs> Our cafe, sometimes it's just as important as our services. It's part of who we are. It's community. It's where you can engage with those ones. It's where you build community, build relationship. You know, community is built on relationship. It is built on transparency. You know, it's about being real. You know, you can see and feel someone's heart. You know, you see the real deal. It's like, wow, they're just human. Yes, we all are. Well, it's like, well, how do you do the things that you do? I don't know. It's called supernatural strength. It's called the God factor. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called my helper. Where we start to learn the keys of how to live life and and it's through transparency. I, I, I think of it this way. Is that when you sit down to have a meal with someone, you're actually looking at it in the eye. Yeah, yeah. And when we sit down at the dinner table at home, I, I tell you what, every one of us is different. Like, I, I've got four kids and not one of them is the same. They're all different ages. They all have different likes and dislikes. They all like the... S- no, they don't all like the same food. <laughs> you should try dinner times. Where you sit down and, and it, sometimes it's a circus. It's a glorious mess. But it's my house. It's my home. It's a place of safe haven. It's a place of community. It's a place of honesty. It's a place of transparency. I know what's going on in their lives. They know what's going on in my life. But there is one thing is that at the table, we all eat. It's a place where you're fed. It's a place where you're fed naturally and a place where you're fed spiritually. Uh, I remember Judah, probably at the age of five. You know, as kids grow up, they like dress-ups. They like wearing masks. And and I'll tell you what, he loves his bumblebee mask. You know, if you're going to have a mask, it's got to be Transformers, and it's got to be bumblebee. No one else will do. But I remember him getting up at the table one time, and he's got this mask on, and and he tried to feed himself through the mask. Who knows you can't feed yourself through a mask? Yeah, yeah. Full face mask, little gap like this. 
you, maybe you could slip a 20 cent piece down there, but you couldn't do anything. You know, sometimes it's the same with us is that we come to a table and we have this mask on. Yeah, wow. And if we come into community with this mask on, we can't receive what God has for us. We can't partake of what God has for us. When we come to church with our mask on, you know, I would say this, leave your mask at the door. If you want to receive from God, hear from God, we need to take our mask off and enter into community. Enter in relationship with Him and relationship with others. You know, naturally, having a mask on never works. Spiritually, it never works as well. It's a place of transparency. God can't bless, bless someone you're trying to be. God can't bless someone you're trying to pretend to be. Do you realize that? He can't bless you. We have to be open and honest. The third thing is, is in community is a place of transformation. It's a place of nourishment. It's a place where all our needs are met. <laughs> you read through that, it's a place where all their needs were met. Those that were in need were met. I believe this, physically and spiritually. Yeah. It's a place where God can come and heal us. He can come and restore us. He can come and love upon us. He can come and move over each and every one of us. If we're going to reach our world, we need to have a door that is open so people can come and receive. Yes. So that when they do make a decision, they can walk into a community. So that they can receive healing. So they can receive transformation. So they can receive nourishment. You know, Proverbs 14, uh, 16, verse 24, it says, Pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. That, that is the word of God. Yes. The true word of God spoken at any time is that spirit-filled words of encouragement, of affirmation, of life. This is what it does. It, it penetrates the very hearts of individuals and brings life and nourishment to them. Yeah, come on. I, I believe this in community is that when we speak, it always should be an utterance of the Spirit. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm sitting in a room or I'll, I'll meet someone you know, as they walk in and, and we'll just talk. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, we'll just talk and then later on they'll come to me and they'll be like, Sam, you know that word you said? That was actually unbelievable. Right there I have one question. You're either lying to me or God interfered. And I would say God interfered. But they said, you know that word, that, that was for me right now. I believe this, is that when we sit around and have community with individuals, that God will drop things into your spirit so you could speak yeah, life. God will give you words to say, and sometimes you walk away and go, why did I even, why did the conversation even go there? Come on. Next minute you'll see that person next week, they'll be like, hey, I just want to thank you for that word. I just want to thank you for just spending time with me last week. Why? Because it was a God moment. Yeah. It's about relationship with God and relationship with others. It brings transformation to the hardened heart. Do you realize that? Your words. How many times do you sit with someone and walk away full? How many times? Emotionally, physically, spiritually, in community, we are fed naturally and spiritually. <laughs> I love what Billy Graham said. He said, we need to encourage new believers 
to feed on God's word daily. It is nourishment for the soul. We need to encourage ourselves. Every moment we get together, we need to speak with faith in our hearts. We need to declare the word. And the last one is, is in community, you find joy. In community, we find joy. (laughs) Who knows that sometimes at home it's not always happy. But there's always joy. There's a place where there's always joy. The house is full of joy. The house is full of... Because there are some times where life just doesn't go the way we thought it would go. There's sometimes in life things take place and it's like, wow, what happened? But in community, we share our ups and downs. But it's always a place where joy is found. It's always a place where joy is found. I, I believe this, is that joy is deeper than happiness. Joy is deeper than happiness. You know, happiness is the fruit of prosperous conditions. Do you realize that? Is when everything is going well, we're happy. And then all of a sudden, something just hits us from the side and we're like, where'd that come from? What is going on? But in those times, in community and when we have a relationship with God, we still have His joy. We still have his purposes around our life. You know, joy is independent of our circumstance. It dwells in our heart and is never failing. It's a foundation. Nehemiah says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. (laughs) Joy sings in all weathers and in all experiences. In community, you find joy. You find hope. You find peace. Today, if we're going to reach our world, I believe it starts first at home. It starts first with you and I creating community so that lives can be touched Lives can be set free. People can be delivered. The disciples, they were filled with the Spirit. They declared, they spoke, but they built community. They built community for each other, for those that were lost. And in turn, in building community, they changed the world. They cared for the sick. They cared for the lost. They cared for the brokenhearted. They brought joy where there was no joy. They brought salvation. They brought hope. And and as a church, we are here to declare hope. We are here to declare hope in everything that we do. Mother Teresa made this statement, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Well, I look at the world right now, it is broken, it is hurt. I look at the world right now and, and I don't know whether I can actually see True functioning families. There's a lot of hurt. But I believe this, 
is that we're all called to the family of God. Yes. We are all drafted in to the family of God. Come on. And as society and as the world where the family unit starts to crumble, I believe it's where the church needs to rise and start to show what a healthy family is. Whether that be relational, as in brothers and sisters, or whether that be adopted family. But we need to demonstrate to the world the love of Christ. As I was reading through and just scanning through a few things this week, I, I come across a quote by Ronald Reagan, one of the presidents of the U.S., And he made this statement. He said, if we want to make America great again, the only place it's going to happen is around the dinner table. I was like, wow, that's a statement. If we're going to make families great again, the only place it's going to happen is in community and around the table. And for us, it's around the table of God. It's breaking bread, remembering what He has done, declaring His goodness, testifying who He is. That's what the disciples did as they dwelled in the temple daily. They prayed with one accord. They went house to house remembering who He was, what He had done, what He would saved them from, and caring for those around them. John 13, 34 to 35 It says, there's a new commandment I give to you. And this is Jesus speaking before he's crucified. He said, I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we're going to reach our world, it's going to come down through that through loving each other, through community. Being there for those around us. As City Point Church, as the church, we are here to influence our world for good and for God. And it's not that complicated when you break it down. It's not that hard. Each and every one of us can play a part. Yeah, that's true. All we have to do is love someone else. All we have to do is open the doors for someone else. All we have to do is show the love of Christ to someone else. All we have to do is <laughs> take on Him. All we have to do is copy Him. As Christ died on a cross for you and I so that we could have a relationship with God, some of us just need to die to self so that someone else can receive Christ. Maybe put our pride aside. Maybe put our agendas aside. Maybe with purpose in our heart, go, you know what? I'm going to live for you. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. The disciples waited. God spoke. They preached. Built community. And the church grew.
and the church grew. Numbers were added daily. He's given you the authority today. You and I. We just love to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I don't know where everyone sits this morning. I don't know whether you have a relationship with God. I don't know whether you have a relationship with His church. But this morning, I would love to give an invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have a relationship with God, but you would love a relationship with God, maybe you've known about God, or maybe you've even walked with God and you've fallen away, but right now you can honestly say that you don't have a relationship with God, I would love to pray for you this morning. And as I pray for you this morning, so I know who I'm praying with, I would love for you just to raise your hand while no one else is looking. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand just quickly. Thank you. Anyone else want to join? Just as I look across, does anyone else want to join this lady? It's about relationships about relationship with God. Father God, you see every heart in this place. You see the hearts that have responded to you this morning. And Father God, as they respond to you, as they, they acknowledge Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross and that he rose again so that we could have relationship with you, God. Father, as they acknowledge that today, Father, I pray that you send your helper, your Holy Spirit to intertwine their life. So from this day forth, Father, that they will walk with you, they'll commune with you, they'll have relationship with you, and Father, they'll have community with your church. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give them a hand. This morning, if you made that decision, maybe it was for the first time, Maybe it was the second time. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but that is a decision. That is just the start. And like I said, we would love to walk with you. Church is about community. It's about relationship. It's about each and every one of us helping us in our journey, this journey called life, that we'd be full of the Spirit, that we'd understand God's ways. And like I said this morning, you know, community, it is about relationship. It is about transparency. It is about transformation. But it's about knowing the joy of the Lord. And so this morning, don't, don't just sit back. Go up to the Yes Bar. Um, engage someone there. Someone will be wanting to meet you there and will help you on this way. Well, church, it's great. Now we can all reach our world. No excuses. No excuses. We could all find someone to love upon today. Well, how about we stand? We're going to praise God as we go out. Um, Don't forget, if you want to put your name down for water baptisms.